welcome back to the Football Index podcast. I've got a slightly different show for you guys today. Today I'm joined by Mike from BetGoat. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, not bad. How are you doing? I'm very well, Mike. And why don't you start by telling us what exactly you do and what exactly BetGoat are? Um, right, so I am a what you call a professional gambler. I make money through gambling. That is different to what BetGoat is. What what we're designing is a, a website to help the everyday punter get the data to place smarter bets. So we're building that at the moment. Me personally, I've been betting professionally for for over a year now, but I've been in the realms of it for about three years, um, building algorithms and such to to help me with my betting. That's what I want to talk a bit about today. Mm. And uh, where did we meet? I don't want to talk about it for much of you. <laughs> we we met at the what is the football blogging awards, sitting next to each other, and I was stealing your Panini sticker book stickers <laughs> in the same category as uh, best gambling content creator. Can't really remember who won. To be honest, it no, slips neither my mind. can I. No, yeah, no, some, I don't really remember. I don't know. Some guy with funny air one, but <laughs> <laughs> no. In my defence, my Twitter account had been banned at the time. Uh, I think you had something to do with it to I, improve your chances no, of winning. No, 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 no. Nothing like that. That sounds like very kind of Russian spies <laughs> banning conspiracy <laughs> theories. But in all seriousness, you hadn't heard of FI or Football Index, had you, before we met? I'd heard of it. I had, because obviously they advertised like an absolute trooper. Um, yeah. I was interested in the platform, but I'd never set an account. I wasn't a, a a real big fan of it. I knew of it and I knew how it worked, but I couldn't tell you much more about it other than you could buy players. Mm. So one of the conditions that we had for you coming on the show was to open up an account and see how you got on until we recorded. So we're recording on Wednesday, the 26th. Yeah. You open up an account on Sunday, the 23rd. So you're I only did. three days in. I am. How is it feeling so far? Well, you're sweating, mate, because I'm about to take you over as the greatest football index player of all time. <laughs> uh, it's going well. I am 51p up. Wow. I know. Wow. I mean, percentage-wise, that must be all right, though. That's 1%. It's not too bad. Three <laughs> days' too- work. No, it's not. It- in all fairness, it was a, it was about half an hour hours work. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I set it up on Sunday evening, and we agreed that I won't ask you anything. I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't going to listen to your podcast or anything like that about it. I was going to go in there with completely fresh eyes, let's say. Mm. Yeah, and a lot of people on Twitter have been clamouring. They've been asking me, yeah. Fig, get someone really new on the platform. And I think, uh, you know, we've met before. Um, you've got quite a large and engaged following who, you know, someone might out, out there might pick up uh, and have a look at Football Index. So I thought, you know, win, 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 win here. Exactly, yeah. And uh, yeah, so the, the aim of this show, guys, is going to be kind of not a walkthrough through Football Index, but kind of a beginner's viewpoint of it. And then I'll probably stick this up on YouTube as well, because it might be a bit more of a, an evergreen show. I stopped putting the podcast out on YouTube in about episode 40. But this one, I think we'll have like a bit more of a long tail and you might be able to refer some friends that are just joining now to, you know, this is someone who just joined, have a look at what they said. And this was some of the explanations that were done during the episode. But before we get into a lot of the questions that were asked, uh, just need to plug the YouTube channel as I always do. Um, If you guys haven't watched the latest episode of the Squad Builder or the Bank Builder series, then please do have a look, like and subscribe over there. 
going strong on YouTube, getting like, you know, 10, 15,000 views a month and, and plenty of subscribers every week as well. If you guys haven't left a review on this podcast, please do so. I think there's, you know, over 120 now, some very nice reviews, love reading them. And if you guys haven't subscribed, what are you waiting for? The button's just there. And if you've already done both those things, then just force one of your friends that listens to it to do so. I think that'll be good. And we'll start <laughs> off with some uh, miscellaneous questions from Football Index Trader. Why the U-turn, you spell E-W-E, away from traditional gambling? There's not a U-turn. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I, I'm dipping my toe. Uh, I will always have traditional gambling. I will always do that. Um, it is something that they closely, they, they link together. So why not give it a go? It's fairly cheap to have a go at it and see how much money can be made from it. Um, mm. If there is a future in Football Index, in, as in a in investment terms and yeah so there isn't a u-turn it's just uh, uh let's see how this does let's have a look <laughs> at this uh, this might be a a good jump off point to talk a little bit more about the types of bets that you go into and, and kind of what kind of return you look at on a yearly basis because i get a lot of questions for the show being like how will football index ever attract you know mainstream yeah. gamblers who are always looking at accumulators you know the quick wins blah 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 when a lot of people don't really realise that quick wins aren't a thing in gambling unless exactly. you're extremely lucky. Yeah. And also, there's lots of things FI can do in terms of the advertising side of things where you can advertise the average winners on the gambling side and the average winners on the FI side in a current, you know, quote-unquote growing market. So why don't you go into a bit more about that, the value side of things, the accumulator side of things that people seem to be so fixated on. <laughs> yeah, so th there's a reason that bookies push hackers. It's, it's just a massive, massive cash cow for them. Uh, the best way to describe how I do what I do compared to how 99% of people do what they do. Let's say me and you, I'm a bookmaker, you're a punter, and we flip a coin. Um, if you were to do odds on that in decimal, it would it should be 2.0 because heads or tails, there's only two outcomes, should be 2.0. So what the bookies do, what I would do, is I would give you odds of 1.9. Now, it doesn't sound like much of a difference, 2 to 1.9, but if you were to have your entire life savings behind you and we will flip a coin to the end of time, I would have mm. all your money. Yeah. No matter what. It's just 1.9, but eventually I would have all your money. And that's negative value. You can't win. And even if you do, if you win, if it lands on heads, I still win because I'm only paying you £1.90 if you bet a pound. I'm keeping that other 10p for myself. And that is how the bookies do it. If you're as big a nerd as me and you want to have a look at this in action, go to any game or any bookmaker, um, transfer the odds to a implied probability, which is percentage. That, those odds will add up to over 100%. So they'll be about 100. If, if you do it in the Premier League, it'll be about 102%. If you do it in lower league or the Danish third division, you're looking at 108, 109%. Now, that is the bookie's profit margin. So the odds are always, they're never in your favor. It's <laughs> with this. So what I do is I, I mean, I mean flipping a coin is, is easy to work out the odds. It's 50%, 50%. Football isn't the same. Football, you, it's very hard to work out the exact percentage chance of something happening. So the bookies have their way of doing it. I have my way of doing it. So it's all algorithmically picked. Um, we will use the algorithm and find out where the bookies are paying you 2.1 on a coin flip. And we bet on that, even if we don't think it's going to happen. So back to the acker. Now imagine if you've got that 1.9 odds on a coin flip. 
instead of betting on that one coin flip, instead you decide, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bet on five heads in a row. So the easy way to work out odds is two times two times two times two times two, which is 32. So you should be getting odds of 31 to one on that. If you were to do it um, at the odds they give you at 1.9 times 1.9 times 1.9, I'm doing it on the calculator. If you can tell, <laughs> I'm not that good at maths. 1.9. You get odds of about 23 to 1. So you've gone from 1.9, so 0.1 profit margin for them, 10p for every pound. You've now turned that into it should be 31 to 1 to about 23, 24 to 1. The more acres you put on at negative equity, which is going to be most of the bets, the less money you make, the more money the bookies make. Even when you win, if one person wins that, 30 other people have lost it and they've only paid you 240 quid. Mm-hmm. So they've made 60 quid. So yeah, that, that's why any of your listeners want to do betting a bit more seriously, stay away from acres. You will lose more than you win, obviously. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that I think a lot of people have asked for this podcast to kind of quote unquote answer, and it's an impossible thing to answer. How do you attract those ACA punters or how the FI, you know, because that's not my job, you know, I'm just yeah. here to talk about football index. How the football index attract those ACA punters? And really and truly, it's just by doing stuff like what you've just talked about for the last three minutes, you know, educating people why accumulators are such a bad idea. Exactly. I mean, the reason that ACAs are so good is um, is dopamine. People love that. For, for your listeners who don't know, dopamine is that chemical that's released in your brain when you win something. And that's what gambling addicts have high amounts of dopamine. That is, I think there's a question later on about sort of this. So I'll talk about it a bit more detail then. But it's hard for football index to get that dopamine release the same as somebody winning an ACA. Mm. So yeah, it's definitely going to be difficult for them to get them. I do think it's possible and I think you're right. It needs to, people need to be educated, but yeah, it, it's going to be hard. Definitely. Definitely. We'll move on to the next question before we talk about accumulators for an hour. Oh, uh, football God, index yeah. dragon. <laughs> uh, why have you only just joined the party and how did you hear about FI? I think you alluded to the big uh, advertising push that FI maybe did in January time. Yeah, um, I've known about FI for, for a while. Okay. Um, the reason I joined is because I've come on this podcast. <laughs> in all honesty, <laughs> I've wanted to join, but this gave me an excuse to join. I'm busy. I'm very busy. Mm. But I thought, why not? Um, so yeah, that's that's the reason. And also I want to I want to start a rival podcast and become the biggest FI podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good way to start. (laughs) And uh, last miscellaneous question, so to speak, FI Headhunter, what's the stupidest bet you've ever made? This is a a tough one. There isn't, as as I alluded to there, I'm I'm looking for value. I've I've never made a stupid bet. Mm, Confidence. A stupid bet dictates that you're betting on something that didn't win, where... I don't bet on a team to win. I don't bet on the team that I think is going to win. I bet on where the value is. For example, last season, uh, a few times I bet against Real Madrid, uh, which at the time people would have said, that's a stupid bet. Why are you betting against Real Madrid? And then I hit 19 to 1 uh, a couple mm. of times on that. So there isn't a stupid bet. Sometimes I've bet on the clear favourite to win because I were the, the, we see there's value there and they've lost. Mm. The, the stupidest bet would have been if I'd bet on Man City at home. Because you are getting massive negative value. Um, 
So the stupidest bet to you means something different to me. For example, at some point last season, if you would bet against Man City at home for their last 20 games, you'd have won one bet and you would have been in profit. (laughs) So it's stupid bet is betting on the the clear favourites, the Man City's at home, your your Barcelona, your Real Madrid's. And it's also teams with uh, quite large followings, right? I'm an Arsenal fan and I know that Arsenal are notoriously always overpriced in terms of betting terms. Yeah, yeah, always. Because uh, is, um, when I first got into this and when I first looked at value, it was last season, not the season gone, the season before. Do you know when Burnley were unstoppable at home? Yeah. Um, Burnley were great at home. No one beat them. They won a lot of games 1-0 and Arsenal came to town. Um, but Arsenal couldn't buy a win away. This is when you were under Wenger and you were crap. <laughs> Arsenal were favourites. The reason they were favourites is because if they put Arsenal at 3-1, to 4-1 to one like they should have been, the Bet365s would have had been inundated with bets. So if Arsenal would have won, they would have lost. The bookmakers would have lost a lot of money. Whereas mm. they know that not many people are going to bet on Burnley to win, even though Burnley are, should be clear favourites. Um, so yeah, you, you're exactly right. Your big follow team that are going to draw a lot of bets that are people that are building their acker and then go, oh yeah, I'll just throw Arsenal in to mm. improve the odds. Yeah, it's like a gimme, right? Exactly, there. So to speak. The bookies are there to make money, not give you the correct odds. Mm, mm, wise words. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll move on to some slightly more serious questions, even though you've dropped a lot of great wisdom already. Look at uh, that. F- <laughs> Floody FI. Uh, welcome to the platform, sir. Do you find the dividend payouts force you to buy large amounts of shares in players in order to earn any worthwhile money? That's where I struggle to get people to sign up. So I've been on it since Sunday. I've not had any dividend payments yet. I've, I'm not really up to speed on how that works. But if in my vast amount of three days of knowledge of football index, if you want to make money on this, it is not about the dividends, I would guess. The dividends will be nice. For me, your value is in, as it is with buying any stocks and shares, you buy them cheap, you sell them high. So the dividend payments... <laughs> Uh, means nothing to me. Um, is there a reason for that? Is there uh, potentially could FI have done something, you know, when you're on the app and you're onboarded, they show you the dividend yields for some of the players for the past 12 months or whatever? There's a lot that they need to do. I'll go into that a little bit later to make it a little bit simpler and going forward, because obviously I'm, I'm new into it. I, there's, I haven't seen anywhere that's really obvious than telling me about dividends and how it works. I've seen the word dividend and it's literally the most boring word I've ever heard. <laughs> so I don't want to read it. But yeah, there, there is some stuff they can do with dividends. But for me, that shouldn't be their driving force. That shouldn't be what they're promoting to, to become big. Mm. It's mm. great. It's, it's a nice little thing they can add on, but it, it shouldn't be the, the driving force to grow. Mm. That's in terms of the advertising side of things. Obviously, yes, in, the, in, the, in the market side of things, it's obviously essential, integral to the product. Otherwise, we'd all been buying absolutely uh, virtual match attacks. But you're right; even the the CMO has actually talked about how when they do advertising campaigns and talk about capital appreciation, that probably sparks those dopamine receptors a lot more than slow and steady dividend returns. Yes, which therefore means that more people are likely to sign up. Yeah, exactly. Mm. That's why I think that's the reason that they don't advertise it very much because dividend is a really complex term. If they want to succeed, they need uh, your everyday punter to get on board. Dividend is going to turn people off. The whole 
thing with their advertising is you know, buy low, sell high, and all that mm. kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I, I wouldn't even get into the dividend to get, get your friends to sign up. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. I think it's maybe you're right in terms of that hook, but there needs to be some sort of quick explanation that when these people are hooked up and they say, but where does the value derive from? There's a more simple, you know, maybe infographic explanation that is on the FI app that, that kind of walks these people through it. It should be. What you do is you load the first time you log in and create an account, bang, a video comes up that you can't skip. Just a 30 second video. Uh, like I said, like the infographics videos you see, just one of them. Hey, I'm Dave from FI, and this is how it works. Buy a player this. Like, do you know when you play FIFA, for example? I've played FIFA yeah. for years. When you're an ultimate team, it walks you through how it works. Yeah. That's what they need to get. They need to get people caught in quick and how it works. Mm, mm. I think it's uh, they need to take an inspiration from quite a lot of different yeah. places. You know, FIFA actually do it quite well. I mean, I haven't really played the latest one too, too, too <laughs> much myself. Next question, Alan Cooper. In terms of initial impressions, what's the best and worst aspect of the index from what you've seen so far? Could be interface, technology, features, social media community, anything at all. Uh, one of the best things is it seems like they've got a really good and strong community. Not a large community. You're not looking at accounts with half a million people. Chain, well, not that I know of, but the community are really engaged, which is yeah. great, which is really, really hard to do that brand loyalty so that is definitely one of the thing the best things the app looks nice from an interface point of view it, it looks sharp it's, it's fairly easy to get around and see what you're doing um worst aspect is the actual process of it all can be a little bit turn offish in the first 30 seconds if you're a, you hear an advert on talk sport and you download the app and then you look at it 30 seconds and you're like oh, bored of this that's why I think a real snappy 30-second video at the start will, will help them keep their players, keep their brand new players. Yeah, it's definitely that. There's a lot of aspects to it that are quite complex and they need to simplify it, put it in a nice, easily to understand way. Definitely. Mm. I do definitely agree there that the interface and kind of how you go around about the product is slightly clunky and if not laborious. I think it doesn't make it easier that you're kind of just dropped in this you're dropped into the deep end really when you just download yeah, the app exactly. which which when you don't understand something it's really hard to stick with it right how many people would actually play fancy football if when you start out it takes you three four weeks to fully understand how it exactly. works exactly so that's i think the that's the kind of the thing that fi needs to try and condense as much as possible how do you fit that four weeks of learning into four days yeah you bang on there yeah because i think even with betting right it's easy to do but for people to actually make money on it it takes a long time you have to be you know better than everyone but if you compare it to maybe for example i don't know buying stocks and shares you can now with apps like free trade and stuff where you can mm -hmm. just buy an app and, and start buying trade uh, shares and selling them but you wouldn't fully understand how the market works exactly, how yeah. owning these shares works in the four days or something so maybe to some extent we're being quite harsh but on the other hand they do need to kind of really condense that learning process I, i've we're being harsh but i can tell you now in the in the fi boardroom this is, these are things they've discussed if they've not then they've got real issues but these, these guys aren't idiots they they're not going to listen to this podcast and go oh yeah they know what their issues are and they are i would be very surprised if in 12 months time if we had another chat we won't be saying, oh, look at the difference, look how much simpler mm. it is. 
And if they do put a video in, um, I want it credited. So... <laughs> uh fair play fair play um we've got a question here from tc who's been on the show before so is alan cooper actually two good chaps there is no free data site offered by fi themselves the only options are paid third-party services that most won't be aware of immediately how much of a difficulty was this in deciding which players to buy when you first joined do you think a free site would aid new signups? And I, I do think you're going to get really stuck into this being uh, <laughs> kind of data heavy in, yeah. in, in kind of what you do. A lot of these questions come back to how do we get new people signed up? Uh, a free site F- offered by FI would be stupid of FI. They don't want to do that. because Why would they not want to do that? So Bet365 don't give you data about the games. A, a free website where you can see in-depth data. Because Bet365 don't want you to win. And I know at the moment FI are new. They It's quite easy to make money on there. Long term, they need you to not win, if that makes sense. they, they mm-hmm. If they were to put out a free website, it's not going to be as good. Now, you need, for a community like this to work, you definitely need what there is out there now. These, these paid third-party services, I... Would imagine in not long time they won't be paid; they'll be free, and it will not be a lot of affiliate marketing because mm. then they make the money from FI. They're the things that will help immensely. People giving that data in their own time. You look at—I compare it to football betting a lot because they are quite similar. There are a lot of websites out there providing betting data, and we're obviously going to be one of them. The reason is people know about football betting and then go to these websites. Very rarely do people go to these websites and then sign up. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Why would somebody look for an FI data website without an FI account? You need people who already have an FI account to go to these data websites. Mm. Yeah, that that's my opinion of it. It's You need FI to really keep doing what they're doing with their advertising, get a lot of people signed up with fancy offers and a nice UI. You get out of every hundred people, you probably get five or six of them that are really going to take it seriously, and they're the ones mm-hmm. that are going to want to use these websites. So, yeah, that's how it's got to work, in my opinion. TC, if he's been on the show, I presume he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> I'd set one of these websites up. I'd get affiliated with FI, and I would uh, use your. Uh, yeah, I don't know. How, I don't know how their affiliation works, but. I would drive traffic from your social media, from things like this, to your website mm. so people can get informed decisions and then hopefully make more money on Football Index. Because mm. I th- think the reason is that AFI don't have any kind of ways to plug into the thing. They don't have any open APIs. It's not quite like Betfair. So no. what guys have done, third-party providers, that they've had to do a lot of manual digging. Yeah. Some of them have already had those the data in the background from other projects and so much, so on and so forth. So... I think it's maybe the question of like, you know, you're looking at a player and you've bought them, but you haven't really bought them off anything other than kind of, you know, what their price is right now, yeah. uh, what you know about them as a footballer. And maybe yeah. to your point of view, that's in FI's favour because they probably won't have to pay out on that player for a while because there's they're going to win little dividends. Yeah. But is someone with a lot of money going to take it seriously if there's not that much kind of logic and data driving some of these decisions? I mean, there's data out there for footballers. There's um, the website wescout.com, which is used by professional scouts. It's used by ourselves for player data. These guys have a ridiculous amount of 
information on players. Now, my opinion on how how I'm planning on using FI is ignoring the dividends. I'm not bothered about that. I want to go in there and find fantastic young players that are going to move to Man City. They're going to move to Real Madrid in the future, in two, three years time. And I'm going mm. to get in there while they're 30, 40, 50p. And then when they move there and they're playing Champions League football, you would hope that they're £1.52, like, like Jaden Sancho. I'm surprised that if I don't offer an API, they should do straight away. So people can just get access to all this data. It's ridiculous if they've not, because again, it would drive people. The more websites there are, the more chance people got someone stumbled across it on Google. Yeah, then that's something they need to do, definitely. Yeah, it's a shame that it's not, because you can look at the way that Betfair have kind of built their brand. A lot of it has been just free marketing from people building apps, um, exactly. building calculators, exactly. building websites, all using these Betfair APIs. And I think it's just a shame that FI aren't opening themselves up a bit more. But at the same time, they might look at their community and say, how much more sticky and how much more can we actually get from this community? Because at the moment, it's definitely the strongest I've seen from any brand for a long time. Yeah, there's a big cost element as well to get the API out there. I'd imagine it's expensive and they are a startup. Mm. Again, I'd hope that it's in the pipeline, but it's a big time constraint and financial constraint where they have to raise another round of money to be able to do it. Uh, Things like that, that most players won't take into consideration, but are quite big deals. But yeah, I would be, that should be quite far up on their to-do list as well for exactly that same reason. But remember with Betfair, Betfair isn't something brand new. Yeah, but it was once upon a time. Yeah, you're right, but it is that is traditional gambling, but then they've added a different spin on it coming from the other side, where Football Index is something completely different. Mm. It's just got a gambling element into it. Like, what Betfair are doing is closer to traditional gambling compared to what sure. FI is doing. So I think sure. there is an easier way to drive people to the website that way. Mm, mm. Interesting. Uh, we've got a really interesting, probably most interesting question for listeners here. Preza um, underscore FI, who's also been on the show before, smart chap. <laughs> who's your first purchase been on the index and why did you buy them? And then he asks, how did you value a player as a new user? And how do you think the market values a player? I love this question. Yeah, it's one of the first ones I saw. Well done, Preza, lad. So the first player I bought, I am a big Derby fan. Uh, not like you fancy Arsenal boys. I'm a <laughs> big Derby fan. And that's my first issue with FI is the fact that they've just sponsored Forest. I'm not happy with that. It disgusts me seeing that horrible red badge every time I open up the app. Um, my first purchase um, was Derby's young right back, Jaden Bogle. Mm. Uh, he's the reason I went for him, I didn't care what his price would be because his price is only going to go one way. The cheaper, the better. But I bought the vast majority Jaden Bogles. And since he has gone up. So that was the, the first thing. That was the heart and head combined. Mm. My next approach was right. I had three approaches for that. Pick a player I know in Jaden Bogle. I've, I've watched him all season. He's a fantastic player. He's young and his value is only going to go up one way. That's my first approach. Second approach was right. Which players are going to be transferred because we're in the transfer window? Who's looking like they're going to be moving on? Third approach is get young players that are only going to get better, that are undervalued on the index at the moment. Um, shall I run through the players that I've got? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Let's, And then we can kind of talk through your decision-making process for each one. So we talked about Jaden Bogle, and obviously with Jaden as well, he is linked with a host of Premier League teams. 
So I buy a, a rook load of him. If he gets sold, his value is going to fly up and I'm going to be laughing. If he doesn't get sold, he is only going to get better. So his value should tick up until he goes to that Premier League team. Barring a massive injury, I would be surprised if I lose money on him. Um, my next purchase was Jack Butland. Um, the sole reason of he should get sold this summer. Mm-hmm. It's far too good for Stoke. Um, he was close to going last summer. He needs to go this summer. So I, I didn't buy as many of him because the risk is higher because I can't. it's something you can't predict if a team's going to come in from if the price amount move, he's not going to go. But I bought some Jack Butland's. And then I met in the middle with Steven Sessegnon. He's a great young player, the Fulham wing back slash winger, scored against Derby at Bloody in the playoffs a couple <laughs> of years ago. I was there. And he's looked with Tottenham. So he's a player that if he doesn't go again, his, his value should go up because he's going to get better. And if and when he does go, again, his value should go up, if I'm correct in how FI works. Very, very simplistic view at this. And then I took, so obviously, I alluded to earlier with my algorithm, we look at player data. We have vast amount of European players and South American players running through our algorithm. I basically had a look at all the best players, best young players, and saw if they were, first of all, if they were on the index and if their value was what I would expect it to be. Anything under ACP, I would expect it to be. So I went for, not many people will know this name, but it's a Fabrizio Bustos, an Argentinian right back, young lad. Um, oh, and what the players? It's not Independente. Where are you? Yeah, it is Independente. Uh, I bought a, a rook of Bustos's because he's a, he's a good player. Argentina are extremely weak defensively. They have been forever. I wouldn't be surprised if he's Argentina's first choice right back for the future. So I'm hoping he gets better. I guess his big move to Europe and his value is going to go up. And he was 32p or something like that when I got him. Very cheap. Then I went for the, I believe he's an attacking midfielder, Jan Fiat Arp. He's German, plays for Hamburg. He's a, he's yeah. a striker. He's a very good player, this lad. And probably in the next 24 months, he'll make a move to a big boy. And he will be more of a household name. You've then got Michael Cousins, French centre midfielder. He was a little bit more expensive. He was a 94p, but he plays for Borussia Mönchengladbach. Very, he's a very, very good player. Again, he's about 1920, something like that. That's my tactic for it. Are they statistically good? Are they playing for the team? If they're not playing for the team, are they highly rated by their team? Have they got decent? Do we have them as decent physical stats to make the step up? Because if they do make the step up, and one of those becomes one of the best players in their country or the world, then the value is obviously going to shoot up. Mm. Imagine if the index was around 10, 15 years ago and somebody bought a load of Neymars, for example, or a few years ago, somebody bought a load of Mbappes. That's my approach to it. Get them in sure. cheap and young, long-term, two, three years' time, I should have made a very good amount of money off them. So that's what I was going to ask, right? Because a lot of people listening, very experienced traders would be like, in you know jaws dropped in horror and be like oh he's bought all these guys that don't even play in any of the performance buzz leagues because obviously only the top five leagues and european competitions are paid out in terms of performance buzz yeah so you've had a very much longer term view of things right you're thinking some of these guys are not going to win any dividends now they're not going to be playing in any of these leagues right now but you are hoping or 
in your estimations, they're going to move into some of these leagues and then be eligible to win these dividends. Yeah, so I've if you if I put it into numbers for you, let's say I've got um, Fabrizio Bustos, for example. Let's say I say there's a one in ten chance of him becoming one of the best right backs in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that does happen, I'm going to 20x my money. Of course, I'm going to take that. I've got a one in ten chance of 20x in my money. I've got a 10% chance of, of 20 times in my money on him. And we've got to realise in as the index gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, I can only see these player values being a lot, a lot larger and a bigger mm. difference between poor players and very good players. So that's the approach I'm taking for it. It's not short term. For me, this is long term investing. Mm-hmm. A lot of people might shy away from that. But if you start making these longer term investments, say, every month or every couple of weeks, then it kind of consolidates and uh, almost snowballs in the way that in a year's time, you'll be buying players for two years. But in that year, the players that you bought two years ago, you might be looking at potentially selling because they've moved on or potentially selling because they haven't kind of their trajectory has changed, etc. And those things kind of snowball. So it's definitely a strategy that a lot of people have employed. If you look at kind of the player prices on the index and i wanted to ask you did any of them really if you obviously had a look through the you know some of the top prices some of the bottom prices yeah. did any of them really surprise you particularly at the top end um but the the one that surprised me was steven sessinger he's 50p i mean price wise because he's he's a bloody good player he is and he's got a big future i mean he's, he's about four years old and the kids played three thousand <laughs> games for fulham and he scored against derby which is very hard to do um not really I, I, yeah, I'm surprised by the price of him. And But then I go to, if you look at your, your big boys, your, your Neymars, why on earth is he trading so high? He's bloody awful, isn't he? I know he's going to go to Barca. Is that a genuine question? Yeah, why is he? <laughs> why, £7.65? So, so, so the reason, there's actually a plethora of reasons, right? So um, the way the media buzz scoring algorithm works, right, is that you have to have both first and second name in the title. So when they're plugged into the RSS feed, this like automated scraper yeah, yeah. that FI have picks up the first and second name from the RSS feed and then points are allocated based on kind of the sentiment scoring, blah, blah, blah. You know, certain words like uh, champion or winner will yeah. get more Positive. points. And if it's like your bad words, like lose, <laughs> etc., they'll, you know, they'll dock you points or you'll have the minimum amount of points. So with Neymar, because he's only got one name, right? Neymar. It's not Neymar de Rosario de Silva, whatever his full name is. It's just Neymar. <laughs> if someone just types in Neymar, like or names a title Neymar in one of these, you know, yep. shitty Express or Daily Star or yeah. even ESPN, for example, all the American, you know, based ones, Gold and ESPN, they don't use second names. They don't use first okay. and second names. Sorry, they only use second names. Yeah, it's particularly ESPN. So if you look at like the media buzz scoring. Um, Neymar will have a lot of uh, points from ESPN, from Goal, from even places like Football 360, uh, just because he's been allocated those points because it's not something Neymar, it's just Neymar. Whereas if Paul Pogba needs to get points, he needs to be Paul Pogba in the title of the RSS feed. So that's point one. That's one of the reasons that he usually rakes in a lot of dividends. The other reason is he's very well suited to the performance by scoring matrix. So if you look at the way the matrix is break, broken down, it rewards goals really highly, crosses really highly, crosses um, corners one, fouls, uh, you know, when players are fouled, uh, and passes. They're all kind of very, I'd say, you know, quote unquote, overpowered stats. 
And if you look at the way Neymar plays at, at PSG, everything goes through him. He touches the ball a lot. He gets fouled, obviously, a lot because he's a bit of a bellend. Um, <laughs> he wins a lot of corners. He takes every single one of their set pieces, including penalties. So basically, he's kind of a match made in heaven for if you were to create a player just for, for FI who's made for Football Index, you'd probably end up creating someone like Neymar. Um, which is kind of the reason that he has been for a lot of the time, even since the very beginning of the platform, near the top or quite very much at the top. Yeah. And now a lot of people do have the same attitude when they come on. He's, oh, I don't really like him, blah, blah, blah. But then when you kind of look at, you know, his yield, he's, he's won, I don't know, maybe, I think it's like 17p in the last week of dividends. And if you look at that as a percentage of his, his, his full price, it's, it's a relatively decent chunk. Yeah. And he's also gone up about, I don't know, you know, 60p or whatever. But, you know, he's kind of the, I'd say, quote unquote, king of football index, but also just loved by all, all traders because he is, as I said, kind of perfectly sculpted. And I think maybe even a couple of years ago, there was also that notion that he could eventually move to the Premier League. And that would be the blockbuster thing. You know, if he moved to Manchester United or Manchester City, you'd see a, a crazy, crazy prize there. Maybe, maybe with the Barca rumours now happening, that might not ever happen. But still, he's still generating the kind of yield that people are, are expecting of him. Yeah. I mean, looking at it on the index, he, his value's dropped down a lot, though, hasn't it? Mm. His value dropped, and now it's on the way back up. I think because of these links with with Barca, but he has been injured. Ah, interesting, interesting. Like I say, anyone else in that kind of top bracket that you were like, "crap," why are they up there? Um, let me just change it to highest price. I am quite liking this because you're like, oh, complete amateur, know, complete <laughs> you're, you're, amateur. You're saying, "Oh, this looks ridiculous," and Idiot. then me trying to attach some logic to it. In me trying my best, I guess. So you've got, let's go through the top 10. Neymar, doesn't make sense to me. Guy's an idiot. Paul Pogba, that does make sense to me because he's in the news all the time. Mm, mm. So, and I, I've got a bit of an understanding how it works. That does make sense. Mbappe, future Ballon d'Or winner. Jaden Sancho, that's a strange one to be fourth. I don't know if it's because he's English, because he gets so many assists. That one's a strange one, especially because he's above Mohamed Salah and Raheem Sterling and Lionel Messi three players in this very similar position who have better stats. So yeah, Jaden Sancho is a bit of a strange one to be that high. And he's got two names, so your whole argument's out the window. Harry Kane, yeah, I get it. I think this is this a mainly UK-based thing, football index. So yeah, Hazard, yeah, Callum Hudson-Odoi. Again, he had a lot of links with, with Bayern, so is that why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. Mason Greenwood, what is he doing up there? <laughs> Well, so that's you... one that maybe I, I can't really explain. <laughs> oh, God. The world's greatest FI podcast, Mike Rothen's podcast, will, will know why. <laughs> um, Michelle Felix, yeah, get that. Kai Herbert, sorry, he, hers, Herbert's very good player. Um, he's someone I have my eye on and he's someone I looked at buying, but he's at £3.21, so I wasn't going to touch him. Vinicius Jr., he's going to be a rocket of a player. And then you've got Van Dijk and then Ryan Brewster. Why mm. is he at two pound ninety three? Has he ever played for Liverpool? Mm. So yeah, it's, there's a lot of things that make sense. <laughs> there's a lot of things that make sense, and then there's, there's people like him that don't make sense to me. And the fact that if I go back to a year ago, he was at seventy odd p, and now he's at two pound ninety three. Yeah, doesn't make sense. But anyway, I could go through them all. Like Matthias legit, the legit <laughs> should be way up there. <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh, <laughs> It's so interesting to see this viewpoint where you're coming on it with fresh eyes and then 
kind of trying to understand why some of them are are that price but then with some of them it is genuinely really hard to explain um (laughs) you know you mentioned mason greenwood there could become one of the best players in the world could you know become another Ravel morrison who knows oh Ravel morrison that's a good one to drop out that one is (laughs) i guess though that when the price rises the more the price rises the the lower the odds become is you're essentially betting on a lower odds yes bet if that makes yes. sense because if he becomes you know six pounds for example in the next two years what's his actual ceiling if you're buying at six pounds and then the only amount you can win is plus four on that um if say the ceiling's 10 pounds but you know we can talk about that all day we've got a couple more questions jamie harwood first of all welcome i know you're new but i imagine you have not invested without research so where do you see fi compared to traditional bookies do you think Football Index could overtake, compete with them one day? And if so, what time scale do you predict? Uh, mystic ball time. <laughs> Here we go. Um, can they overtake to compete? No. No, they can't. Impossible. And I hope that you can clip this in a decade's time and say, well, here you were wrong. But no. We were talking the other day, um, looking at Bet365. The, the 365 had £50 billion worth of wages go through last year. Mm. The Football Index will not be able to compete with that. It doesn't matter how many people they get in, they will not be able to compete with. I mean, for example, in Brazil alone, they bet 365 have about 1.6 million daily visits from Brazil alone. I can't see Football Index getting anywhere close. It's uh, I, I, he, he has put in their traditional bookies, so he's probably more talking about your, your William Hills. I don't think it can compete. I think mm. it can be very good. I think it can be very popular. I uh, just I can't see him competing with them. I can't see Denise Coates in the Bet365 head office shaking about Football Index mm. because they're too different. They're far too different to, to traditional bookmakers. Uh, the question, in my opinion, can Football Index compete slash, well, not overtake, but compete with traditional stocks and shares the traditional stock market can that's the market it should go for it wants serious investors to come on board and try to make money through it Mm. if it takes on the bookies it's not going to win because i could bet 10 grand today and on a football game and in two hours time uh, i could have made 30 grand football index i can't do that I can't go in and do something that quick. I just don't think that they're similar. You can't compare them because then they're playing a different sport. Doesn't mean it can't be big. It's like trying to compare rugby to football. Rugby is very popular and very big. But compared to football, it's not even in the same league. When you look at the viewing figures for rugby compared to football, it's nowhere near. Um so yeah, I know it's not. I know you'll have a lot of people on this that love FI and want it to to grow and overtake these bookies. Me, first time coming in, I have no association with bookies except I try to take their money. I just can't see any way of them competing or overtaking. I tend to agree with you, and I don't think Ooh. people understand that that doesn't mean that it will fail. No, no, exactly. No, like it can be very popular. If you look at someone like Smarkets, for example, yeah. the amount of like volume that goes through their exchange, this is a peer-to-peer betting exchange, it's a drop in the ocean compared to Betfair. Yeah. But they still make a 
shit ton of money and they still are very successful when they still have a big user base you're exactly right don't compare being the biggest to being the most successful Mm. you there's a reference for you for example apple back in the 80s apple had something like a a six percent market share but were massive well absolutely if you look at phones out on the market um that use apple or android android crushed them for the amount of android phones compared to apple phones but apple make more money they can't compete with them but why would they want to yeah exactly that's exactly the attitude i think that should be taken and frankly there might be too much of an obsession with it but where do you think it could go in terms of this kind of gambling market what could it become and what kind of scale of thing are we talking about here so where i think they will be heading they'll they'll have two criteria they want to hit they want to get the big boys on board they want to go out and they want to prove to your i mean this is a long way away but your fund managers they want to go there and say hey look you can make a heck of a lot of money on here compared to the stock market or they'll say it's less risky to do it with us and get seven eight possibly even nine figures put into it the next bit is your big dave down the pub i think this could become extremely popular with people saying oh i've oh look i've just bought six philippe anderson's random player to choose but hey <laughs> and then that player does scores a hat trick at the weekend and his value flies up and he gets dividends and all this kind of bit there can be that bit of banter the, the same sort of banter you get in fantasy football i feel that's where football index can go mm. they can make a fuck ton of money definitely can but it's different compared to gambling i can't imagine they're going to be football index anonymous anytime soon because it's not quick wins it's it's slow it's probably easier to win long term on football index compared to betting but it still takes a long time to do it so yeah that, that's where i see it I, I imagine it would be just as well known as fantasy football and just as well played as fantasy football it's not going to touch the figures of betting though yeah and i think they won't mind that they won't mind <laughs> of course um... not just taking bits of pools of users from different things, be it DraftKings or be it uh, fancy football, be uh, it, yeah. you know, betting. Football Index isn't trying to be one of these things. It's not quite like, you know, Monzo and Banks or, you know, I'm trying to think of a, another comparison. It's not the same exact offering. It's not the yeah, same not like exact proposition. And that means Football Index isn't just going to make Bet365 bankrupt. It's never going to happen. No. Because they're not the same proposition. Um, but, but the fantasy football element is, is quite interesting. Do you think maybe it could have that many users? You know, there's 400,000 signups right now. 7 million people, 8 million people play FPL every year. Do you think we could see that kind of scale rather than the, I think Bet365 must have like 25, 30 million by now, right? Mm, much bigger. Yeah. No, yeah well, Bet365 have 1.6 million Brazilians a day. So they can't get through those numbers. No, I feel like this is a nice in-between stage from fantasy football, which I'm one of them. I get bored a few games into the season uh, and I stop stop trading out players and buying in players. It could be a nice little middle ground between that and gambling because people want to put their money on it and people want to say, I've done this. I I bought, if this was really popular, people would be bragging about buying Jadon Sancho two years ago. 
that that that's what I see. The bigger than football, like fantasy football, smaller than gambling. That that nice little middle ground there. Traditional gambling, I should say. Mm. Well, let's move on because I think we've we've touched on this topic for quite a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> the secret FI trader. It's another interesting one about football index's future. He does ask, can it ever replace sports gambling websites, which we've kind of alluded to. No. <laughs> the answer being no. But he also says, this from the secret FI trader, what do you think Football Index needs to do to secure a more a sustainable future? It needs to, to, be, to, to be sustainable, first of all, it needs to ensure that it makes enough money. It's as simple as that. It needs to make, ensure that it makes money. And it, it's a profitable business. I mean, we, we talked about this the other day, didn't we? You think they're profitable. I would imagine they're not profitable at this stage. Mm. They to to be sustainable, they need to make money, but they not just make a million or two every year. They need to be looking at making a hundred million pounds profit a year. Mm. And I know that sounds like a wild number, uh, but Bet Three Six Five, Denise Coates paid herself what is it two hundred fifty million or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so hundred million to me and you is is a lot of money. But they need to be looking at that 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 Goldilocks needs to become a what what they call a unicorn, a company worth a billion dollars. Mm. To be sustainable, for me to get there, again, they need to get the big investors in there, 100%. But to be sustainable, they need to make sure it's very sticky. Uh, they need to make sure the, the average Joe that's going to put 10 in a month, 20 quid in a month, that they stick around. Because if they do, and if they are getting, I don't know, you, you, you've got 400,000 at the moment. They, for me, in the next two years, they need to 10x that. They need to get to 4 million. Um, to really have a go at it, um, they probably need to mm. raise around um, funding. They um, probably get twenty million pounds put into them. Use that money to grow, hit that four million user mark, and then from there they need to get to fourteen million mm. worldwide players. Because remember, football index again. I wouldn't be surprised in if in a few years. You can trade on American football, baseball, basketball, the American markets. Sure. You can go yeah, over to yeah. India and, I mean, cricket, Pakistan versus India the other day had a billion viewers. Um, a billion viewers for a cricket game. That's so it, they, they need to be able to trade on, on cricket players, um, widen the horizon. That's how they become sustainable. If they get to a point where they get to a million users and they are happy to stay there, then, and if they're profitable, I'd imagine, yeah, it would be fine. But, I would guess that people are going to get bored because mm. there's there's a reason why traditional bookmakers, I mean, 10 years ago when you could start betting on your phone, you could only bet on you know, home win, draw, away win. Now you've got things like request a bet. You've got things like uh, mm. your rackers. You've got all these things that are all constant new features coming out to keep people engaged. If football index stayed the same, you would have a core base of users that used it all the time, like yourself, but you're not going to get new users coming in and sticking. You need to constantly be updating, and that's how they become successful. Mm. What does that look like? I don't know, but they, they'll have some boffins in the Football Index office that I'd imagine will be looking at things like this. Mm. Yeah, you'd hope so. Now, before we, we head off, do you want to maybe talk a little bit about Mate, what tips would you give as a new user to another new user coming on? What would be your <laughs> two or three tips to give in oh. terms of understanding and learning? For Football Index? Yeah. Oh, listen to your podcast, number one. <laughs> yeah, you can have that. Um, another tip would be, this is a tip just across 
gambling in general is only invest what you can afford. Mm. Don't overstretch yourself. Um, a third one. Let's get a nice, nice third one. You might have to edit out this pause. <laughs> I want to get a good, tasty one. I would, I would probably say back your own knowledge. If if you're a fan of a lower league player and you see a low league team, sorry, and you you know there's a young player coming through that's that's doing really well, and you think they can make it one day, back them. I mean, how many MK Dons? If this was around, how many MK Dons fans would have bought Delhi Alley? Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's a, yeah. I just feel use your knowledge, research, and make sure you don't overstretch yourself with it. And think long term. You can have a fourth. I can't. This isn't short term gains for me. This is the long-term game. Mm. Nice. Radio. Uh, before we let you go, where can people find out more about you, Mike? Yeah, so check us out on socials, uh, UK. My personal Twitter handle is, uh, on Twitter, is at Mish, M-E-E-S-H-B-G, for BetGoat. Um, I don't tweet that much. I'm more of a stalker on Twitter. But, um, <laughs> yeah, drop me any questions. If, if anybody wants any questions about anything, you can have a look at our site at the moment. It's a bit of a beta site. Just go to betgo.com. Um, we're currently building it and improving it. Uh, or drop me an email, mike at betgo.com. If you have mm, any questions nice about betting, drop me an email. You can If you want to contact me on Skype, mike at betgo.com. I'm everywhere. <laughs> if, if anybody has any questions about betting or they want to take it more seriously and they want to have the crap scared out of them about the amount of people that lose betting, message me. I'll, I'll talk to anybody. You've covered every single base there, every line of communications. Plug away. (laughs) If you guys are commuting right now, have a great commute. I hope this makes that bit more bearable. If you're not commuting, doing whatever you're doing, I think someone's just tweeted in that they're watching Chile, Chile, Uruguay, while listening to the all, like on their way to the ground, listening to the pod. I think that's amazing. I didn't think that would be what I'd be seeing on my timeline. International now, uh, mate. Uruguay, Chile, yeah, representing Football Index. He's in a Football Index t-shirt. Martin O'Regan, shout out Martin for <laughs> uh, for listening to the pod on the way to the Macarena. And sorry if we didn't get to answer all your questions. Um, thanks very much for listening, everyone. Have a great day. Bye.